tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to finish up going through the Bible. Tonight's message is on Revelation, and we're going to finish it up in part two. You know, last week I ended up talking about the beast and how the beast was coming alive and that the beast was going to wage war on God's people. John had a, a series of visions, you know, and through this message, you know, his verse vision explained this spiritual battle. You know, that the church was going to come under persecution, you know, from Rome. You know, the dragon, you know, <clears throat> attacks the woman and her seed. You know, the church is looked at as a bride. The seed is us, you know, as God's kids, you know, and the dragon is going to attack, you know, us, you know, and it, some places you're going to find that the dragon and its seven heads is potentially Rome and its seven hills, you know, could be the church is actually attacking the true bride, which is the followers of Christ. Now, it could be the enemy and the Antichrist spirit. You know, there's many different ways that you're going to, to look at this. But when this was written, you know, the the Vatican had not been invented yet by men, you know, and therefore, you know, the seven churches that were in, you know, Asia Minor, you know, were very accustomed to these types of terminologies. So as John is writing this, they are in full understanding of what John is truly writing about. You know, this isn't some you know, crazy cryptic code, you know, that, you know, it was understood by God's people. However, you know, translations of some of this and understanding of some of this that may have been lost. And, and we got kooky religious people that make up all sorts of crazy, you know, scams and schemes to try to, you know, influence and, and fool, you know, God's people who don't actually read their word. You know, and this is why it's so important for us to be in our word so that we know what God says. So that when some preacher or some charlatan is preaching end times revival that Jesus is coming in May 25th, you better get ready, sell me your house, you know, that we, we know that this is false information. You know, you know, I, I stand pretty firmly on the fact that Jesus said that he doesn't even know when he's going to return. The only one that knows is the Father in heaven. So for me, anytime that anyone preaches end time stuff, instantly the red flag goes up in my head and says, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. Now, can a prophet of God come along and, and you know, speak God's words? Absolutely. However, has yet to happen. Since Jesus ascended, people have been talking about God's return or Jesus' return. You know, every century, every month, you know, there's somebody new that's saying that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. You better get ready. You know, the church used the devil, you know, and created the, the you know, devil with red horns and a pitchfork to scare people into the church because Jesus was coming, you know, and they came into the church and they would give their tithe and they would give their indulgences and they would pour their money into the church because people were being scared and then they created you know, all these different things to, to get money out of the people and that you could somehow save your dead relatives if you just, you know, purchase this and you can get them out of purgatory. Just give us your money and give us your house. You know, there's all this stuff that gets twisted when it comes to, you know, apocalyptic, you know, thought processes. But truly, when we look at this, you know, apocalypse is a type of literature. It's a type of Jewish literature. So when someone's talking about apocalypse, they're actually talking about a writing style. You know, Armageddon, that's something else. You know, but so often we hear about the apocalypse. And, you know, instantly you should also have a red flag go up that they don't really understand what they're talking about either. You know, that, you know, we've put, you know, this end times craziness, everyone's going to die, rapture stuff, Jesus is coming back, everyone's dead, I get to ascend, I get left behind, you didn't, I don't know what's going on, I got Jesus, you don't. There's all this stuff that gets thrown into the book of Revelation 
because we don't study, we don't know our word, we get, you know, fear-mongered and pushed one way or another. And it's important that we really understand that when Jesus returns, you're going to have no doubt. You will have no doubt that something's going down. You know, and there's going to be many signs and there's going to be many things going on in the world that, you know, there's a checklist if you really look at some of the stuff that's going on in Revelation. You know, and personally, I don't think that we're anywhere near it. You know, that there's a persecution that's going to come upon the church that wipes most of us out. You know, and that's not happening. Just because somebody tells you you can't talk about Jesus and, and they're offended when you do, that's not end times persecution. I promise you. There's literally people in other places of the world that will lose their life if they know that you're a Christian or if you're part of a family of some other religion and you somehow get saved. That they will literally kill you. They will stone you to death. Still to this day, they will, you know, take hatchets to you, take, you know, machetes to you. You know, it's, it's, it's important that we realize that without the Word of God, we would be far more lost than we are today. You know, and it's so important that each one of us is getting into the Word and saying, you know what, I need to know Jesus. Because without the Word, we really don't know Jesus. All we know is what church tells us. And we fall into these routines, and this is how you behave, and this is how you go to church, and this is how you're supposed to act. You know, and a lot of times those things don't match up to the word. You know, that we become hateful and we become judgmental when we're truly supposed to be loving and we're supposed to lay our lives down and serve the unbeliever and serve the sinner so that they come to know a Jesus that's different than a religious church that most of us have hated most of our lives and somehow we got saved anyway. You know, and it's important that we realize that, you know, it's the love that is poured out through us that our unsaved family members and our unsaved friends and the unsaved people that we work with and the unsaved people in our you know, communities and people that we come across are going to come to know Jesus through a sacrificial, loving Jesus that's inside of each and every one of us. You know, and it's important that we, we don't get tricked, you know, that we get judgmental and religious. You know, are we supposed to take stands on things? Absolutely. You know, are we supposed to have an answer for things? Absolutely. Are we supposed to speak truth? Absolutely. But we're also supposed to do it in love. And we're also supposed to be serving and laying our lives down just as Jesus did. You know, and this is how Jesus changed the world. This is how people came to know him. You know, this is how people, you know, gave up their life to follow him. You know, it's because, you know, he defeated sin because of the love that he had, because he laid down his life for each and every one of us. You know, and the religious church, you know, wants to point fingers. And the enemy wants to accuse. You know, and it's so important that we, we're paying attention to these things. But Jesus defeated the dragon through his death and resurrection. However, this dragon was cast down to earth and to reign, you know, and inspire hatred for the Messiah and all of his followers. You know, and we overcome and conquer because we resist this influence, you know, and we, we represent Jesus to the best of our ability. You know, there's going to be many people that call us names. There's going to be many people that point fingers at us. You know, I get lots of lovely things on my Facebook, you know, and every once in a while I get reported or, you know, because I've said something, you know, or posted something. And I'm like, what did I even do? You know, it's because the world does not want to hear truth. You know, and there's a way that we can stand and, and speak truth, and it's still going to mess people up, even when we're trying to be as loving as possible. You know, and I've I've paid close attention through the years on some of my posts because I still have you know homosexual friends that don't know Jesus yet. You know, and they're paying real close attention to stuff I post. You know, I still have atheist friends. You know, I have. You know, friends that worship Satan, you know, and they're open about it and they mock Jesus and they send me funny things, you know, that mock Jesus. And I just laugh along with them. You know, I don't get offended, you know, because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for me to get religious. They're looking for me to get angry with them. You know, and I watch Jesus, you know, at the end of his life, they forgive them. They know not what they do. 
You know, and so often they have no clue what we know. Because we've come into relationship with a living God that they have not yet been revealed that is true. And it's our job to represent him to the best of our ability, and we will fail that every day. But there are times when we can win some of these battles by the way we respond and by the way we love people, by the way we serve people, by watching our tongue, by watching, you know, things that we do, things that we post. You know, be careful that we're not mocking people, you know, and because people are paying attention. You know, every one of us, they're paying attention. You start saying that you're a Christian, you know, the atheist and the the the, the Satanists are the first one to point out when you're not acting like Jesus. You know, and we're never going to be perfect, and we have to find balance in that because they're going to, you know, anytime that we do something they don't like, they're going to say, oh, I thought you were a Christian. And I'm like, well, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm supposed to give you all my money. You know, and there's there's a balance in this. You know, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean you can roll, roll me over or bowl me over. I still have boundaries. I still, you know, can tell you no. It doesn't mean I have to do everything for you because you're trying to use me. You know, there's a balance. You know, because love sometimes is telling someone no. You know, God tells us no way more than he says yes. If you haven't been praying, let me just clue you in on that. You know, you're going to get way more no's. But when he does say yes, that yes is amazing. You know, and I'm grateful for no's. Because if I got everything I've ever prayed for, I'd be in a mess of a place right now. You know, and I'm grateful that he doesn't answer every prayer. I'm gra- grateful that he doesn't give me everything I want. Well, this is my heart's desire in the name of Jesus. I'm so grateful that Jesus is like, yeah, no. You're full of it. That's not me. That's not my desire. That's not my will. You know, and I'm grateful that I have a God that it can't be manipulated by me. You know, and just because I say something in Jesus' name and have a couple scriptures I can quote, it doesn't mean I can get my way. I'm so grateful that it's his way and not mine. Because my way continues to destroy me even when I, I try to, to get my own way. You know, and, and this is this is how we conquer things. We conquer them with love. We conquer them with sacrifice. We conquer them with truth. But it's not our truth. It's his truth. And that's why it's important that we know our word. You know, <clears throat> you know and John is telling us that neither Rome or any nation, any oppressor, you know, you know, can overcome us. You know, and so often when a nation is persecuted, you know, the Christ followers rise up. You know, and you can see that in China. You know, China is still a, a communist nation, and you can be killed because you're a Christian. And the Bible is still in the legal book, and if you have it, you can be in prison. However, China is the, the world's leader of Christians right now. You know, and a few years ago, when I went to Nepal, you know, I was coming home at the end of November. And I went to bed in November, and I woke up in December. And when I came out of my room into the lobby, everything was Christmas. And at first, it didn't, I didn't catch it, because it, it just was kind of normal. And then I went off into town, I went to Starbucks, and I... You know, I got Pastor Mike a couple coffee cups, and I came back, and I walked in the lobby, and they're hanging these giant Christmas balls from the ceiling, and they're putting up this giant Christmas tree. And I'm, like, starting to think, and I went into, you know, the cafeteria area and got lunch, and they're hanging all this Christmas decorations, and there's Christmas everywhere. It's just, like, overnight, it went from nothing to Christmas. And at some point, I'm like, wait a minute. They don't do Christmas here. What is going on? Like, my brain started computing what's happening. You know, and I called the waitress over, and she knew enough English that you could read off the, the, the menu, and she could answer some of your questions, but she couldn't have a conversation with you. So she called this other guy over, and he came bounding over with a giant smile. And I asked him about Christmas. And I'm like, you guys do Christmas? Oh, yes, we love Christmas. I'm like, but you don't, you don't believe in Jesus. Oh, no, Jesus, just Santa. And I'm like, but it's Christmas. Yeah, Santa. And what it clicked in my mind is that although they hadn't reached a place where they honor Christ, Christ was still being honored in their country. 
Now, yeah, it was materialism for most of the country, but there is millions of Christians that are worshiping Jesus and getting to represent their Lord and King and celebrating a holiday of his coming. You know, and this is in a persecuted nature. You know, and it's so important that we realize that no matter what the enemy does, no matter what the government does, they cannot hold back Jesus and his kids. You know, and it's so important that when we start to think that this president or that president or this senator and that governor, you know, they're holding us down, that's not true. You need to pray. You need to pray and you need to believe that Jesus is higher than any government and that the government actually rests on his shoulders. You know, and it's important that we realize that no matter what the enemy does, no matter what the government does, no matter what people may do or the religious church may do, it cannot hold back the moving of the presence of God through God's people when we pray and when we believe and when we stand up for what is actually true. You know, and this is what, you know, John is proclaiming, that he sees this stuff taking place. You know, he sees these visions, you know, and that we need to pray for those that are persecuted, that we need to love our enemies, you know, just as Jesus did. You know, even though the beast is empowered and the dragon is coming, you know, and a lot of times these are representations of military or government, you know, that these different nations that will conquer by violence and fear, you know, that although that these beasts are out of control and they attack the economics and they try to get our money and the one world nation and the Illuminati and all these different things that push fear, that Jesus is not intimidated by any of that, you know, and we shouldn't either. You know, and yeah, we're going to have ups and downs, and we live in a blessed nation. America is crazy right now, but we are in a blessed nation that we can be congregated on a Friday night openly, you know, and we don't have to worry about anybody that's trying to burn down this building or come through those doors and try to attack us or not trying to find us, that we're able to do whatever we want in the name of Jesus and spite some sinning. But anyway, we're able to, to represent him to the best of our ability openly, you know, and we can put I trust you, Jesus, bumper stickers on our cars, and no one's trying to pull us over and put us in jail, you know, no matter what's going on, you know. You know, so although that these are false images and that together they create fear, you know, that that nothing gets in the way of Jesus, you know, and that... Although the enemy and, and the beast and the dragon are trying to create this, you know, craziness that's going on in the world, you know, a lot of it is, you know, is media based. You know, the media is crazy today. You know, and I'm not trying to, to find allegiance with one network or another, but it just seems like nothing's true that you watch on TV anymore. It doesn't matter what network you're following. None of it's true. You know, and it, it just seems like if you don't do some research, like, you can be baffled by things that you think are true. You know, and then there's great things that are taking place, and no one's reporting on any of it. You know, and it's like, what is going on in our country, or even the world, because it's not just here, it's everywhere. You know, that it's just like there's, you know, an elite few that have control, you know, of what we're being influenced by, and that's why it's important that we're in our word, and we don't, you know, get ruled by fear, and we don't have to, to worry about the government, but yet we need to be wise, you know, but yet gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent, you know, and be paying attention, you know, that we can't always trust what people are telling us, you know, especially if it's coming from the media these days, you know, and it's important that we are, you know, realizing that, you know, the enemy likes to, to produce fear, and most news that you watch today is all propaganda and fear. You know, when is the last time that you watched the news and heard something good? You know, why isn't good news ever a thing? You know, it's always fear and gloom and doom and you better watch out, you know. So, you know, it's important that we realize that there's influences that may not have our best interest in mind. You know, that they have someone's best interest in mind, but it's not ours. You know, and... There's all this fear that tries to happen in the country, you know, and, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, things are at work, 
You know, is it the enemy? Is it the demons? Is it spirits? Who cares? Honestly, I really don't. You know, if it's not Jesus, I'm not paying much attention to it these days. You know, I personally don't watch the news much, but it, you know, being on social media that you, you have things come across and, you know, and you have to be paying attention to some things that I literally did not have any news coming at me on any level. And a few years ago, I had to open up the door to a news station because anytime that there's a snow alert, I don't get any news and they don't put the blue light on anymore. So I get a ticket and I'm like, I didn't know. Well, why didn't you know? It's like, I'm not paying attention to, you know, the news. So now I have things that send me alerts when things are happening and you get all sorts of crazy stuff that comes across your phone. And I'm usually like, swipe, you know, I don't need to be paying any attention to that. It's not, you know, it's not affecting me at all, you know, and this is what the enemy tries to do. It gets us to panic. It gets us to be afraid that, you know, the boogeyman's coming. You know, most of the time, you know, in this tiny little city, we don't have much to be afraid of, although there's been a lot of crazy things that have happened in the last year here that haven't ha- happened here in a long time or ever. You know, it's it's just the enemy, you know, trying to, to be scary. You know, and that's what, you know, the news and that's what the enemy wants us to do is be afraid. You know, and there's a lot of fear that goes with a silly number, 666. You know, and... You know, when you really, you know, look into what it meant, you know, the Satanists and the witchcraft and 666, it's the devil's number. And, you know, you get 666 on a receipt. You're like, oh, crap, I better buy something else. You know, because, you know, you, we've all had that thought. I know we have. You know, and you're like, no, that's not a thing. You know, get you got 666 on your license plate. You're like, crap, I need a new car. You know, I'm doomed. You know, and it's like, it really doesn't mean anything. You know, but they would have understood it. The early church would have understood what John was writing about. You know, that, you know, we hear that, you know, in end times, they're going to have 666 on their foreheads and it's going to be written on their hand. So sometimes we think that the government's going to tattoo us or they're going to put microchips in our hand. and, And maybe, but I doubt it. You know, honestly, you know, the, the one world currency, everybody's going to have cryptocurrency. You're going to have a microchip in your thumb. That's the only way you're going to be able to buy milk. I really, <laughs> I highly doubt that. I really do. I don't think I'll ever see it. But, hey, you never know. Wouldn't it be, you never lose your debit card. You just swipe your thumb. Swipe left. Swipe right. No, I don't want that. No, I do. Yes, I want milk. No, I don't. However, you know, John is, you know, using this as, as really an, you know, an Old Testament, you know, reference. That the priests in Deuteronomy, you know, that when they were worshiping, you know, or, you know, going into a time of fasting and prayer, they would write prayers and scriptures on their garments and on their foreheads and on their hands, you know, and they would, you know, pin, and, you know, things to their garments and, and they would you know, be representing, you know, God in this way that I, I have one mind and it's only Yahweh. You know, and that's what this is, is that the enemy is going to try to, to, to consume us in such a way that it's going to be our hands to work and our mind's eye will be upon these things. You know, that, you know, that the enemy is trying to influence us in such ways that he has us consumed. You know, and, we can get consumed by stuff that's going on in this world, that we can get, you know, plugged into, you know, so much media and, and so much TV and so much Netflix and, you know, and we're just distracted by things. You know, but I think that it's important that we realize that what he's really talking about, you know, is, you know, 666 was technically, if you look at the Hebrew lettering, that Nero, Caesar, Beast would have all been six letters. So he's claiming that, you know, the, the Antichrist spirit is in Rome, you know, and it's like secret code, but the early Christians would have understood the Greek and the Hebrew, and they would have understood it. You know, in some translations, there's 616, which would have spelled out Nero's name, you know, in Greek. You know, and because numbers were letters, you know, it was an easy way to, to say beware or, 
or be cautious or don't trust or don't go to Rome or, you know, or be careful of Romans, you know, that it was a signal to be careful, you know, more than anything. And now we, you know, we, we think it's the, you know, the devil's upon us and he's coming to get us, you know, I better watch out for the demons. They might possess me, you know, and we really shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid of anything the enemy's trying to do, you know, that he has no influence over us other than what the power that we give him. You know, we shouldn't live in fear, you know. So it's important that we're we're paying attention that the enemy is trying to, to bring a counterfeit. You know, there's oftentimes that the enemy is trying to counterfeit God's work. So just as, you know, this is a symbol of head and mind and hands, you know, just as in the Old Testament that they would have their mind and their head and their hands written with Scripture, you know, or written down with prayers, that the enemy is trying to produce a counterfeit. You know, that it's so important that we're, we're paying attention that, you know, that there may be symbols, there may be signs, but that doesn't mean that we, you know, have to cower into what the enemy, the beast, the dragon is trying to really do. You know, that, that we are to represent Christ to the best of our ability. You know, so, you know, the enemies of these nations, you know, the enemy moves through these nations and produces rebellion. But there is one true God, you know, and that he, we are to show allegiance to him. And the enemy is trying to get us to have allegiance to the enemy or the Antichrist. You know, and this is where this 666 comes from. And this is where the dragon beast and the religion and all this stuff is trying to get us to have influence in one way and not truly follow Christ and not be obedient to our word. You know, and this is why it's so important that we're in our word. You know, that so often John is referencing visions and and things that the Old Testament prophets were proclaiming, that he's constantly referencing Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and, and stuff that Moses said, and, and there's promises of Abraham. And, you know, if you were to really study out Revelation, you can start picking out all stuff through the Old Testament that John is saying, this stuff is happening right now. You know, that it brings fulfillment to some of these Old Testament prophecies that Jesus came and he resurrected and this stuff is still happening today. You know, you know, and as we went through our Bible teachings, as we're going through some of these Old Testament prophets, as we're talking about, you know, the idol worship and how the religious would turn to idols, you know, and the church would, you know, or the Old Testament temples would be influenced, you know, and now the church today is influenced by the enemy and idolatry. The same stuff is happening today that was happening thousands of years ago. Why? It's the human heart. You know, it's an idol maker. You know, and we constantly look to other things besides Jesus to satisfy us. You know, and a lot of times it's money and sex. You know, all through the Bible, money, sex, money, sex, money, sex, money, sex, money, sex, sex and money, money, sex, sex and money. You know, these are the things that lured us away from God still to this day. Money and sex are the biggest things that pull us away from following Jesus. You know, whenever we have a struggle, what do we think about? Money or sex? You know, if I have some more money, I would be good. If I got some sex, I would be great. You know, and it's like, no, I just really need Jesus. I can have no sex, no money, Jesus, and be good. And so often when we go through a stressful time or something's happened in our life that we don't press into Jesus the way we know we should, we end up backing out of our word, we don't pray as much, I'm frustrated, God's not doing what I want him to do, well, I'll just satisfy myself right now. You know, and how well does that work? We do that for a minute, and what ends up happening is that we come running back to Jesus, and we just wasted a month or six. You know, and if we're lucky. You know, and the crazy thing is that some of us don't even make it back. You know, we get caught out there, distracted, chasing money, chasing sex, or caught into it, and our pride won't let us repent, and we're ashamed to walk back through the door, and if we're lucky, we don't die. And some of us all know people that aren't making it back. You know what? And I've buried a few. Chasing money, chasing sex. You know, getting back into different addictions. You know, so it's all important that we're, we're paying attention that no matter what's going on, Jesus is the answer to whatever problem that we're facing. You know, and this is prevalent all through, you know, revelations. It's prevalent all through the Bible. You know, that we see you know, that, you know, this, this Babylon, you know, John begins to talk about Babylon, you know, and Babylon is the representation, 
you know, of, you know, of this Antichrist as the devil, as the, the nation power that's going to consume us. But as this is written, Babylon has been destroyed for hundreds of years at this point. So, you know, John's just using an illustration. You know, Babylon was destroyed by Persia. Greece destroyed Persia. Rome destroyed Greece. You know, at this time, you know, like, you know, Rome is still, you know, alive and thriving. But Egypt was the first one, and that had been long gone. You know, and today Rome isn't a superpower. You know, the Mongolians almost took them out. Some guy that, you know, had no technology, you know, but yet knew how to shoot an arrow, you know, basically almost took out the world if he didn't get tricked. You know, and then you see China rise up. You see Russia, China, you know, you know, rise up. You see Germany rise up. Italy rise up. Japan rise up. America's risen up. You know, there's always different world powers that are going on behind the scenes. But yet, technically, it's all Egypt or it's all Babylon. You know, that, you know, as John is writing about this, that Babylon persecuted the Jews or the Hebrew nation, you know, you know, one of the, the most treacherous, you know, as Babylon was always there controlling them and they would lose and then they would get exiled back and, you know, and then they would repent and find their way back to Jerusalem. That Babylon was something that was true to them that they would know that I don't want to ever be under the influence of Babylon again. You know, so when we read it, we're like, it doesn't make any sense to us, but yet it's the government powers that are trying to manipulate and control us. Don't we have that going on in our lives today? A little bit. You know, is the government going to save us? Is Obama or Trump going to save us? Absolutely not. Jesus is the only one that's going to save us. You know, and yet we have to do what the government says and we have to abide by certain things. You know, and we see like this race tension that's still going on in our country. That it's, you know, it seems like there's certain people in power that are trying to produce a race war in our own country. You know, and they're trying to create the elite versus, the, you know, the lower class. You know, and some people are trying to take our guns. More people are trying to get guns. You know, this one's trying to take my rights. This one's trying to give me more rights. You know, it's, you know, if we listen to the, what the world is telling us, we're going to be very confused. Left, right, I don't know, both, a little bit in the middle, who knows? Jesus, right? You know, and no matter what the right or left is telling us, that if it doesn't align with the word, then we shouldn't be doing any of it. And just because the state or the government makes it legal to do doesn't mean that it's all right by the word of God. You know, and it's important that we're paying attention to the word because you're going to have Christians. You know, I see it all the time. We have a lot of Christians that represent Jesus very poorly. And they're following the government and what the left and the right are saying, and they're pushing hate or they're pushing, you know, rights to things that are sinful. You know, and, and yet we're supposed to love them, but yet when the time comes that we're supposed to be speaking truth. Honestly, speaking truth over the internet or social media is not the way we should do it. You know, that if we have a real beef with somebody, it's like, hey, can we get together and get coffee? And that's the way you should do it. But so often we argue, you know, we're, you know, screen warriors and I'm hiding behind my screens and using my thumb and shooting punches at people. In all reality, like if I really have a problem with somebody, I should be like, hey, can we get together and talk? You know, and so often that's not the way we do it anymore. You know, when I was a kid, this stuff wasn't a thing. Now it seems like everybody's just hiding behind the screen throwing punches. You know, and it's like nobody wants to confront, but everybody throws punches and nobody wants to get down and meet and you can't talk face to face and you don't pick up the phone and our communication is crazy. Nobody's communicating, but everybody's all in everybody else's business. It's like nuts. You know, <laughs> LOL. You know, you know, and, you know, this is what, you know, produces mass confusion. And it's important that we represent Jesus to the best of our ability in spite of what's going on around us and that we stand up for what is true and we live out what is true to the best of our abilities. Because the enemy is trying to confuse us and, and get into our ear and get into our eye gates, you know, more than our word. You know, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, spending too much time doing things that isn't, you know, edifying and spending more time watching TV than in my word. And, you know, and I get balanced and then I get out of balance and I get balanced and I get out of balance. Like, oh, this show, you know, I need to watch this show. You know, it has nothing to do with Jesus, you know, but it's good crime. You know, it's good, you know, suspense, murderous, you know, things like, ooh, that's amazing. No, like, I, I'm guilty, you know. 
you know, and I have to find balance in it, you know. But, you know, I think that, you know, we can get too crazy, too. So we'll just leave that where it is. But, <clears throat> you know, that it's important that we're realizing that, you know, this that we're in a war. You know, there's a spiritual battle going around each and every one of us. You know, some of us walk into our workplaces, it's a battle. Some of us walk into our family, it's a battle. You know, and sometimes we're the only light that's going to be, you know, shining. You know, and we need to, to, you know, set that fire ablaze to the best of our ability. You know, we need to fan our flame when we're going into certain places that we need to get prayed up before we go to work. We need to pray up before we go hang out with our family. We need to go pray up before we go hang out with friends. We need to pray up before we go into society. You know, and maybe we should be praying up before we watch certain things, you know, and, you know, and, and really allow Jesus to influence us more than the media and more than the government and more than the world, you know, and, you know, are we representing God's kingdom, you know, and we all have work to do, you know, I have work to do, you know, and, you know, we have to find balance in this stuff, you know, I think that we can become too overwhelmed and, and too religious and, and it, you know, we think we're doing good, but then we get out of balance and we expect everybody else to be doing it too. And then we get harsh to people that are Christians because they're not, you know, as holy as we are. And then, you know, we're attacking our brothers and sisters and, you know, next thing you know, our light ain't shining at all. You know, so there's, you know, where's the love? You know, so it, there's a balance in here that we have to find. You know, and John is clearly showing these two choices. You know, do we choose evil? Do we choose sex? Do we choose money? Or do we choose Jesus? You know, and for those of you that get married, you get to have sex. It's good for you. For those of us that aren't married, no sex. It's just the way it goes. You know, if you don't like it, it's in the Bible. It's not me. I didn't make up the stuff. You know, I'm just talking about what's actually in the book. You know, you want to do it outside of that? You want to do it a different way? You get to deal with Jesus at some point. Or Jesus is going to deal with you. You know, so... You know, and if you chase money, there's nothing wrong with money. You need money. You have to have money. But if money is the thing that you pursue, once again, Jesus is going to deal with you. You know, and there has to be a balance in some of this stuff. You know, you know, some of us need to work. Some of us need to, to, to press into Jesus a little more. There's a balance there. You know, what is it? You know, well, I need this and my bills and blah, blah, blah. But Jesus, you know, sometimes we go through the bare minimum, you know, and we're doing so much better spiritually than we are when we have plenty. Why? Because, you know, money more than any other thing gives us self-reliance apart from God. You know, it seems like when we don't have money, we pray a lot. So maybe sometimes Jesus wants us to not have money because our relationship with him is good. And all of a sudden we get a little extra dough in our pocket and we're like, "Eh, I don't need to pray today. I got money. You know, and lo and behold, you know, the more that we hang on to money, you know, and the more we chase money that we don't have it. Because it seems like we want all these things that the world is telling us that we need. You know, so, you know, it's important that we're paying attention and they're representing God to the best of our ability. And still, you know, there's balance in here. And most of us aren't good at balance. We're very black and white. We're all full steam ahead one way or the other. You know, I'm following Jesus, full steam ahead. You know, fasting everything, I'm very, you know, I got everything in point, I'm being holy, you know, reading, praying, you know, you know, all the Christian music, no TV, you know, I'm, you know, the next thing you know, I'm full steam ahead and, you know, the the wheels are falling off because I'm going so fast in the wrong direction. You know, and, you know, it's important for us to be able to find some balance because we're not good at it. You know, and we see how John is you know, painting these pictures of these contrasts that that either we're going to be influenced by the evil world or the dragon or the beast, or we're going to be influenced by the slain lamb, you know, and, you know, it's important for us to resist these temptations and follow Jesus and deny ourselves and love our enemies and we are having fun, you know, and, you know, more and more, you know, that we, we see how, you know, these judgments are poured out and the bowls are poured out and the seven signs and the trumpets blast and then the beast is rising and the dragon gets to rain. And at the end of the day, it's about Jesus. You know, and we can get confused in all this apocalyptic literature and, 
you know, make it out and there's a cryptic code in there. I need to figure it out. And Jesus is going to come back on the 17th day of, you know, no, Jesus is already here. You know, and when Jesus returns, the way he's going to return, nothing, none of this stuff's going to matter. You know, and we hold fast to the best of our ability, you know, pursuing him, representing him, denying ourselves and doing what the word is asking us to do, being obedient to the best of our ability, you know, not letting idolatry of this world or the nations or the enemy influence us in any way. And the only way that we can really do that is being obedient to our word, you know, that we can get in church and play church, but if we get away from our word, that that can drift us too. You know, that I get relying in church on a Sunday and I don't have relationship outside of my Sunday worship. You know, that can be very hazardous. You know, I wake these guys up almost every day and I make them read their word and we pray. You know, I remember many years ago, it's Sunday. Why do we got to do it on Sunday? Because why do we have to do it on Sunday? Because I need Jesus just as much on Sunday as I do every other day. You know, and I have to get in the routine and I need to pray on a regular. I need to read on a regular. And when I get away from that, where does my life go? You know, and I start relying on just going to church and then I can avoid church and I can do it on my own. Where does my life end up? You know, it doesn't end up anywhere good. You know, and I can be denying Jesus sitting in the pew on a Sunday, raising my hands and worshiping just as well as I can not being there. You know, and if my relationship with Jesus is based on what the pastor is saying or what the worship band is doing, I'm in trouble. Honestly, I'm in serious trouble. And so often the church is asleep in this way. That we're not in our word and we're not practicing the presence of God on a regular basis. That we're not pursuing him in our car or in our house or in our bedroom. And this is these are the most important places that we need it. It's nice to have it on the church that I can go in and they're doing it and I can just step into that and it's great that everybody else is facilitating and I can just be, you know, absorbed into that. But if I can't push in to Jesus when it really matters and that's when I'm living my life, then I'm in trouble. You know, and that's when it matters the most. When I'm tempted and I choose to do the right thing. When I'm overwhelmed and I, and I don't know what to do and my mind is racing and I put on worship music and I say, Jesus, I need you right now. And I don't give up and I don't give in until his presence comes and that peace that goes beyond all understanding and the tears begin to flow. And I just know that I'm in his presence and everything changes. In that moment, in that moment, no matter what's going on in our world, that that presence of God comes into the room that we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're with him and everything's going to be all right. Do we have to agree with it? Do we have to like it? No. And a lot of times we won't because we it's not going to be the way we'd want it. And thank God for that. You know, and we learn how to live on life's terms and we learn how to deal with life as the way it gets, you know, poured out to us. And we're going to go through some difficult times. That's just life. And we learn to press in to our living God, that the one that saves us and continues to, to redeem us as we, we make mistakes and we press into him and we learn to, to push into his presence and worship him no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through. There's going to be days that work sucks. There's going to be days that school sucks. There's going to be days that your family sucks. There's going to be days that your spouse sucks. There's going to be days that your best friend sucks. There's going to be days that just something's going to come at you and you're going to be like, I hate this right now. But God. But Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I need you. I need you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But Jesus, get me through this. I don't want to run from you. I don't want to turn back into sin. I know that it's not going to work. I know that it's going to be the same, if not worse, than last time. Jesus, I need you to get me through this. I've got to trust you. I'm going to trust you through this. And everything inside of us is screaming at us, and we want to run, and we just want to turn it off. And if I just turn to this little thing just a little bit, then I'll feel better. It's always a lie. It's always a lie. If I press into Jesus and I push through it, that's the only thing. It's the only thing that makes it better. 
And nothing can change. But you know what changes is me. As I get a little bit closer to him. Through no matter what I'm going through. You know. And we have to be paying attention to these things. You know. As the enemy is always trying to trip us up. He's always going to be there. But someday. You know. This whole thing is going to play out. And you know what? Jesus wins. Guess what? He already did. You know, why is the enemy still down here? Honestly, it's so that we can kick his butt. You know, the enemy's not down here to torment us. We're to torment him. Because we have an authority that doesn't belong to us. And that we can walk with an authority that, that aggravates the enemy. Because no matter what he tries to do with us, if we stand in Christ and we obey his word and we walk in love, the enemy has nothing. And that aggravates him so much because we are technically a lesser being. He's an archangel, and yet here we are, humans, filled with sin, and yet we can control him and throw him around and tell him to leave and get behind us, and you got to leave, and I rebuke you. And we have to realize that we're in a battle, and we have spiritual weapons, and we need to start to learn how to use them. And when we walk in love and we pray through difficult things and we don't turn to sin and we don't allow temptation to bring us down, that we walk in victory and that we become that bride that's without spot or blemish. You know, why? Because the blood covers us. It's not that we're ever going to be perfect. I promise you there's never going to be a day that you're going to be perfect. Let me just relieve the tension of you trying. Just There you go. You're already set free just because of what I said. For all of us perfection and control freaks in the room, you're just relief, 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 Jesus. You're fixed. In Jesus' name. There's going to come a time that the, the church reigns, you know, and, and after that, the beast comes back to life again. I don't know. What is all that stuff? You know what? I don't know. I'm not going to live a thousand years. That I know. So at some point, I'm not going to have to deal with any of that stuff. That I know. You know, is it metaphors and, and this? Is it that? I don't know. What I know is that Jesus reigns. The slain lamb, you know, died for us so that we could walk in victory. You know, and that we walk in love and the enemy can't touch us. You know, the greatest warfare is living in peace. You know, as I look through Scripture, I do not see Jesus pulling down strongholds, rebuking the enemy, and calling down angels, and all this stuff that we see the church tells us to do. I see Jesus walking in perfect obedience to the Father, and there's a peace in his life, and the enemy cannot touch him until he chooses to lay his life down. And if we can get this in our mindset, that if I can get obedient to the Word to the best of my ability, and have a mindset and a heart of repentance, there really isn't anything the enemy can do if I'm walking in peace and love. You know, and the more that we try to practice that, there's going to be something that starts to manifest in our lives that other people are going to be so attracted to. Be like, how do you live that way? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you how, you know, Jesus changed my life. You know, and that we become a witness, that we become you know, proclaimers of good news, that there is a solution, you know, and that that solution is Jesus. You know, and I'm guilty of this too, and I need to work on this, because there's times then somebody's going through something difficult, and I said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And you know what, that's not the answer they need. The answer they need is me telling them about Jesus and asking if I can pray for them. And I'm, I, and I need to work on that. Because so often I'm trying to drag them to church. And you know what? And sometimes I can bring Jesus to them. You know, and we have to be sensitive. You know, we don't need to Bible bash or, or chase people around with Jesus. You know, but we have to be, you know, sensitive and have discernment and look for those opportunities when that, that fruit's ready to be picked. Because I can have church with them right there then. Because I'm the church. You're the church. You know, and, and it's being sensitive. You know, and also it's pushing through fear. Because a lot of times that we've had those moments and we don't even invite them to church, let alone pray for them in the moment. 
And we have to become a little bit more bold and say, Jesus, here we go. And we step out. You know, and I need to work on that. You know, I need to work on it. I need to be less lazy. You know, and and take those opportunities. Because this world is screaming for something that's real. You know, and if we can start representing Jesus correctly, you know, and, and maybe they don't get, you know, healed or the limb doesn't grow back or the blind eye see you, the deaf ear hears. But you know what? All of a sudden they get a word of knowledge or all of a sudden we speak prophetically in their life. I'm like, how did you know that? And my answer is, I'm just praying what I hear. Well, how did, you know, like, well, I believe that God speaks to me and he spoke to me for you. Why? Because God loves you and he's using me to show you. You know, we make it simple. You know, I'm a prophet in the name of Jesus. You know, thus saith the Lord. You know, you throw all that in the garbage. Just love people. If we could just learn to love people, we would see people around us begin to change. You know, and that's really the end of the book. That Jesus wins. Guess what? He already did. You know, and we just need to walk out that victory. You just bow your heads with me. Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I just ask you to pour out your presence on us, Lord. I pray that you would give us a peace that goes beyond all understanding, that no matter what we went through today or have been going through this holiday season, that Christmas just brings a lot of fears and you know a lot of repressed memories come to the surface and a lot of wounds and traumas and fear of money and all this stuff comes swirling at us. Help us to just press into you and know that you are the reason for this season. So, Lord, I just pray for a peace for everybody in this room, no matter what they're facing. Lord, help them to know that you're going through it with them. Help us to rely on you. Help us to press into you. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to put on the music and worship you out of a heart of obedience, Lord. Help us to know that your truth is setting us free yesterday, today, and forever, Lord, as we we work on our salvation with fear and trembling, Lord, that we're learning to obey, obey you more and more each day that we're never going to be perfect, but yet you love us anyway, that you poured out your righteousness upon us and you took our sin upon you, Lord, that we could have freedom in relationship with the Father. Lord, and I pray that each one of us has a deeper revelation of Christmas, Lord, that you came into our darkness, you came into our mess, you came as a vulnerable baby, Lord, and you, you came to set the captives free. So, Lord, any place that we're still in captivity, any place that we're bound, Lord, I pray that the blood of Jesus breaks those chains right now in your powerful name, Lord. Jesus, you are our victorious warrior, Lord. Help us to rely on you. Help us to turn to you. No matter what this world is saying, no matter what the society is saying, and sometimes no matter what the church is saying, help us to find you in the midst of it. Lord, help us not to be tempted by the enemy, Lord. Help us not to allow the lies to lead us astray, Lord. Help us to live by your truth, holding every thought captive, bringing every emotion captive. We thank you so much for all that you've done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.